0: Welcome to The Rise of the Ecopreneur, a podcast presented to you by Ubuntu. Ubuntu is a collaboration platform connecting sustainability changemakers all across the globe. I'm your host, Shelby, otherwise known as Shelvizzle on YouTube, where I make other sustainability content. And each week on the podcast, I'll be speaking to environmental changemakers whose research, campaigns innovations are helping to create a more sustainable future so if this sounds like something you'd be interested in make sure to follow us on your favorite podcasting platform and stay tuned for future episodes This week on the podcast, we'll be speaking to Jeremy from Case, the world's first compostable phone case. It doesn't make sense that we would keep our phones on average for only two years while having plastic phone cases that will last hundreds, if not thousands of years in our environment. So we'll be talking to Jeremy about how the company was funded, how he came up with the idea for the materials that they use in their case, and much more. Welcome to the podcast, Jeremy.
1: Yes, thank you for having me, Shelby.
0: Absolutely. I am so excited to talk to you today because Pila has been a brand that I've admired for a really long time. I think what you guys are doing is is very almost revolutionary over there. What got you interested in the environment and or sustainability originally?
1: The biggest thing would be camping. We grew up camping growing up, so we kind of every weekend we're out in campgrounds and outside a lot and always on the water and on beaches so that was kind of the biggest thing and that's um you know some of the the biggest lessons I learned in life were from camping um the one in particular is just you know I remember one time we were packing up a campsite I was probably around 12 years old and uh dad was my dad was cleaning up all our garbage and he was also picking up everyone else's garbage from previous mm-hmm. campers so yeah I asked him you know why he's picking up that garbage. And he said, well, if I don't pick it up, who's going to pick it up? So that was a pretty, pretty strong message for me. So that was kind of uh, at an early age, how um, nature and the environment and sustainability was instilled in me.
0: I really like to hear that. I feel like, I don't know if a lot of people are are that way. I mean, obviously they're not, or we wouldn't be in the situation that we're in with like so much pollution, but it's good to hear that people are still taking initiative or back then, I guess people were still taking that initiative. So I think a lot of people have an interest and like a passion for sustainability, but obviously you've dedicated a large majority to your life to it now. So do you think there was a shift where you went from a passion to wanting it to be like your lifelong endeavor?
1: Yeah, there was, it was kind of a slow It took a long time. There's a saying, I think it was Steve Jobs saying that it's it's hard to, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking back. And then when I look on, look back on certain points in my life, um, it's, it starts to click, you know, in, in flax and, and sustainability and camping and uh, waste free and stuff like that kind of all pulls together. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, timing as far as, uh, you know, just where we are and where consumers are and where society is. Uh, Uh, you know, around sustainability and where we're at with that.
0: More like a slow progression than like a one moment in time sort of thing. I I can definitely relate to that.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Okay, well, obviously we want to talk about PILA, but first I want to know a little bit about um, what you did before PILA because it's kind of a newish company, Um, or at least it's growing to be like a bigger company at the moment. And so I'm wondering, did you go to school for environmental things? Did you work in the environmental realm before you started PILA?
1: Yeah, I actually went to the University of Saskatchewan here in Canada and uh, studied agriculture, so soil science and environmental science. That's kind of when I learned more about flax in general and just about the environment. And um, then for the last Oh, I worked for 17 years as an environmental consultant. That was my full-time job. So basically cleaning up contaminated sites is what we did and, and mm-hmm. environmental assessments on site. So that's uh, the environmental side as well from a, from a technical perspective.
0: 17 years. I didn't realize it was that, that long that you were a consultant. Yeah. That's really cool. You probably yeah, have seen a uh, lot of really neat things.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I have seen a lot of neat things. It's it's certainly changed a lot in, in 17 years, but um mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's good to see. And so I kind of worked on PILA, uh, you know, in the evenings and on the weekends with my wife and and, uh, and family helping out. And then it wasn't until I, I found a team and got help um, with Matt uh, and uh, a few of our, other of our team members, it just really started to grow and, and blossom from there.
0: We can go ahead and figure out how that all started, because you're saying you did it as like a side job for a while. When mm-hmm. did that start like when did you come up with the idea and where did the idea come
1: from yeah so actually the when I talk when I say it's a long uh, long story it's been there for a a long time it's actually started when I was about 10 years old I remember driving through the Canadian prairies at harvest time so we're you know floating down the highway in my dad's big old white Buick and um, starting to get dark out and we could see the horizon was glowing orange ahead of us and then we came over this hill and I could see all these fields on fire like these big balls of fire in the field mm. and the reason i remember it is because it was i was scared like it was an eerie feeling seeing that at night and the fire yeah so i asked my dad what was going on and um and he said well the farmers are burning their flax straw I said because it's the the fiber in the straw is so strong that it gets caught up on their equipment so they end up burning it and i said well if it's that strong it must be good for something and he said But when you get older, maybe you can think of something. So that was kind of always in the back of my head, thinking about how can we uh, use this waste product and just in general, looking at things from a a different lens, like where is there waste in other areas and how can we um, use, in quotation, waste products and how can we um, create less waste with our consumer products?
0: And that is definitely like a long span to remember something, but yeah. I, that's my favorite part of like the whole company is that you had an idea so long ago that you were able to make into such, like I said, like a basically a revolutionary product, a compostable foam case. But when you talk about the farmers burning the flax straw, is it because they were harvesting it for, for some other part of the flax?
1: Yeah, exactly. In Canada, we grow flax for the oil seed, so we grow the most... Uh, oil seed flax in the world. So the farmers don't really care about the flax straw. All they care about is the seed. And, and then, uh, but in Europe, they grow flax for the actual straw, for the fiber in the straw. So mummies, you know, were wrapped in linen. So linen is made from flax fiber. So it's been around and used for thousands of years. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how oh, that's where you know, that's the difference between Canada and Europe with the flax. And that's why we have so much flax straw waste in Canada.
0: Mm, Okay, that makes sense. So then you kind of had flax in the back of your mind. And then you went to school for agriculture, environmental things. And then you started studying flax, because you knew about it? Or is that a coincidence that that happened?
1: Yeah, it was just kind of always in the back of my mind, I was thinking, what can we use this flax uh, straw waste for? And how can we incorporate it? um or maybe use it to make products Uh, so that was kind of I didn't have any products in mind but it just you know planted the seed so to speak of you know what thinking had kind of had my eyes open what can we use it for and then um fast forward to uh Christmas of 2008 uh, January 2009 we were on vacation in Kauai so my wife and our son who was a year and a half at the time and we were digging in the sand and there were little pieces of plastic everywhere everywhere in the sand and um that I had never seen that before so like I said growing up uh, camping in in Canada here most of our especially in Saskatchewan most of our our beaches are very pristine and and uh you don't re- typically see plastic so that seeing that plastic on the beach really bothered me I, I thought someone was littering and, and um yeah. that's kind of what pushed me to find out who's littering and where is it coming from like I was it was ang- I was uh, yeah it bothered me so um yeah, so I looked into where it's coming from, found out about the Pacific gyre and all the plastic, you know, in the ocean collects there. And some of it washes on the beach, washes up on the beaches in Hawaii. And then I just found out more about, you know, every piece of plastic that's ever been made still exists today. And, you know, less than 10% actually gets recycled. So, and how, you know, it's a linear progression. You know, plastic is, it lasts for hundreds or thousands of years, whereas everything natural goes in cycles and breaks down. So, you know, I thought that didn't seem right and then i found out more about biopolymers so plastics that are plant-based and you know some of them can be biodegradable and compostable so they go back into the earth and and but at the time they were very brittle the biopolymers so made for single-use items like utensils so that's kind of where it Mm -hmm. all clicked thinking hey what if i combine this flax this natural flax straw waste material uh, that is strong with these biopolymers um, um you know can we create more consumer products, make uh, better biopolymers, bioplastics from them and, and create more products uh, smarter? So that's that's where that's finally clicked in. And so that was in yeah, <laughs> 2009-ish. I okay. started doing uh, research and development at the university uh, on that and seeing how, how I could develop that formula.
0: So research and development, you say started around 2009? Yeah. And, and then how long do you think it took to get the first prototype? And how did that differ from what Pila has become now the first prototype to what you have now.
1: Yeah, the first prototype was actually um, July July 2011 is when we launched the first phone case for the iPhone 4. So um, the reason we I picked a phone case is because, well, one, because the iPhone 4 had just come out and just the sheer, sheer number of uh, phones out there. And then the idea that the average person you know, kind of keeps their phone for 18 to 24 months yet the phone case to protect it is made from a non-renewable resource and will will last for hundreds or Forever. thousands of years and, and can't be recycled. It just seemed a little ridiculous and, and wasteful. So yeah. uh, there's that waste word again. And um, yeah, so that's uh, uh, started with the iPhone 4 case and it was very brittle. Um, it certainly wasn't perfect and we're not perfect yet, but um, it didn't function that well. But, you know, got, a, got it out there in the market on a small scale and and then just keep kept getting back from customers or retailers and um, continually to pick away and, and improve the formulation and improve the design and make it stronger.
0: Whenever you made your first one, yeah. were you using the same materials you use now, just different ratios? Because I know you say it was more brittle. And obviously, I'm a proud owner of a peel case. Mm-hmm. And they're no longer brittle. They're very almost like silicone-esque, I guess I would say.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So did you so add um, things for sure. or
0: just different mixtures?
1: Well, the technology, the technology for biopolymers has approved, improved a lot since then. So they they're getting better and better. And then um, you know that's that's the base material we work with. So that that has certainly helped a lot. Um, but the very first ones I made was literally it was uh, you know we had beeswax and cornstarch and flax and all mixing it together and trying <laughs> different formulations. It was it was. Uh, Pretty funny uh, to get it get it to work. So and then um, that was for the for the very first crude prototypes. And then like I said, we worked with different base materials. And as as the bioplastics and biopolymers get better, we can uh, really use that as our our base, and, and uh, we can make better consumer products I see. as well from that and incorporate flax into it. Yeah,
0: that definitely makes sense. I love can you can see the flax. If anybody who's listening doesn't already have a Pelicase, you should get one. Um, but <laughs> You can see it within the, the biopolymers, right? So I'm I'm guessing the color part that you can see is the biopolymer part. And then the flax is the speckled like look design that you guys have, which is very unique. But yeah. I have a question because mm-hmm. people ask me this all the time <laughs> about my phone. Is it going to break down in your pocket since it's compostable? People, I'm sure you get that all the time. But if you could tell we us do, a little yeah. bit about... yeah if you could tell us the balance between building a product that is compostable but also will last you know throughout its lifetime
1: yeah for sure so we we do get that question a lot and it's it's only compostable in a composting environment so you need you know moisture and temperature and basically microorganisms um, basically feed on the case on the so that's some that's what you need so it won't break down in your pocket it only breaks down you know in a composting environment we've Mm -hmm. actually had some customers who've had them since like 2012 and uh, they're still still on their phones they still have the first iphone and a a soft uh, pila case on it and it still still functions and still works so that's uh that's pretty neat and then the flax yeah the flax is a big part of it the the aesthetics and the look you know one of the things we wanted to do is put create some emotion behind a phone case and um you know have people be proud of it but it also have people talk about it and help help spread the word and and um you know at the very least if it gets people talking about maybe we'll see your case and see that it looks different and um you know it starts a conversation about maybe more sustainable ways to make products and and maybe it inspires them to do something great or just to think about um things differently and just make small steps to To try and you know make your products more sustainable
0: and you guys also aside from them being compostable like in your backyard or industrial you also have a take back program right could you tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah we're really excited about that so the way we are looking at it is taking complete responsibility from our for our products so and seeing our product as an asset throughout its life cycle um, you know we want it to be made with the you know, the smartest, freshest, um, you know, materials we can use, most sustainable materials um, during its life. We want it to provide the most maximum value. Like it has to function as a product, it has to work really well and, and last long because if it does, doesn't, if it breaks down within a week or two um, while you're using it, that's not very valuable and that's not very sustainable either. So, and then the end of the life, we want it to have a graceful end of life. So it's, um, you know, either composted or if you don't have access to compost uh, facilities or backyard compost you can send it back to us and and um we can grind it up and turn it into other products so second or third generation phone cases or um you know other products down the road that we're working on but then ultimately it's compostable goes back into the ground grows more, more plants create more products from the plants so that's the the full life cycle that we're shooting for we're not quite there yet but that's our goal um and um but certainly implementing that take back program and seeing seeing that product as an asset, like all the energy, all all the materials that went into that case, if we can still salvage some of them and and use them a second time or a third time, that's what we're really excited about.
0: Obviously, you know, there's nobody else out there doing the same thing you guys are. So I love it. And also, I want to go back to what you were saying about kind of public perception. And obviously, you have very dedicated customers for someone to have had their phone case since it was the iPhone 4. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the public uh, reception to what PILA is and if the business has developed like in a speed that you expected or if it's done, you know, more or less.
1: Yeah. Okay. So public perception is, <laughs> uh, first of all, our, our customers are just amazing people. Every, pretty much every interaction we have with them, it's just, um, you know, they're just seem to have you know very similar values and very supportive and very patient with us. Um, we are a growing company and and um you know we're not perfect but we're trying to make it you know we believe in better as our model so every um we try and do everything better from our business practices to you know the products and and that and and um it's cool to see when when our when customers started to take pictures of their cases like we would we didn't ask for them but they would just send their case a picture of them um, You know with their pila case and send it back to us that was just really amazing it showed um you know that they really cared about their product and and they were proud of proud of it and um yeah i remember one we got one from the red square in in russia a picture of the pila case in the red square and i just thought wow that's really neat That this little phone case that's made in the middle of nowhere can kind of go all around the world and, and <laughs> have people proud of it and, and have people that like I said the bigger thing is the ripple effect what uh hopefully maybe it inspires people like i said or it starts a conversation and a lot of our um customers are doing really amazing things themselves uh you know part of organizations or leading organizations or just leading in in their everyday life you know making small sustainable choices and and leading leading by example and showing their friends uh, and community kind of what can be done. So that's that's uh, that's the amazing part of it is the is the community in general.
0: I know you said like the first prototype was created a long time ago. And obviously now you have a well-established yeah. business. Did it develop at a speed at what you expected? Because for me personally, I think there's obviously like an educational barrier there uh, as to what your product is and why it matters. And so I wonder how that affects the like business model. Yeah. Um, yeah, just if it grew yeah. how you
1: expected or not. For sure. So, um, I guess what I, it, it was slow for many years. So, from 2011 to 2016, like that's kind of when I, you know, up until I had uh, found help uh, and the right partners and teammates, um, that's when it really started to pick up. So, but then ever since then, once we found our audience and our customers, uh, it really, Took off. Um, like so, that part of it. The first part was slower than I thought, and the second part has been a lot faster. And our community is building um, super fast. And, and uh, you know, a lot of it is you know just the timing of the plastics and the news that we're seeing. And and um, so it's exciting. It feels like the wave is uh, getting bigger and bigger. We were maybe ahead of the wave for a, a long time, but um, the sustainability wave is getting larger. And um, yeah, we're just trying to hang on and and uh, <laughs> and ride it so we can keep creating uh, more product.
0: Well, I love that. I think you did catch the wave probably at the exact right time. I find that that's happened with a couple other companies. I think I mentioned to you, I talked to Emma from Final Straw, and they mm-hmm. kind of attribute mm-hmm. their massive growth to the same thing, like just being in the right mm-hmm. place at the right time with the right product, essentially.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You probably can't give away any trade secrets or anything like that. But what is the future look like for PILA? Do you guys have other things in the works other products or something like that
1: yeah we do for sure we just um well kind of <laughs> i don't know how much we could say there's a lot of exciting things up but um we actually just launched a linen bag just simple little uh, it's almost like a pencil case it's made out of flax linen so you know getting into things like that more sustainable ways to um you know carry your your products your your cords your, your chargers that type of thing so earphones so that's a small thing but and on the on the larger scale just we're focusing on anything that you would maybe you know wear on yourself for one to one to five years that you know maybe doesn't need to last for a hundred or a thousand years <laughs> exactly and then uh, so kind of anything around that and trying to trying to use Um, we're, we're looking at all products, but that's kind of in our wheelhouse where we're focusing. So, and trying to use the smartest materials we can and trying to give it the maximum value during its lifespan and have the most graceful end of life as well. Perfect.
0: Well, I'm obviously a huge fan of you guys. Definitely looking forward to anything that you're working on. I'll be paying close attention. Just want to kind of close this out. Maybe asking you what your favorite aspect of like this whole process has been, Um, and also feel free to add anything that you'd like to talk about that we haven't covered yet
1: sure this sounds cheesy but the favorite aspect is just the people we meet along the way and have met Mm -hmm. and the amazing support that we get like i said we're not perfect um we're trying our best but the the patience and the support and the encouragement from uh our community just awesome and you know it's little things like it's those little you know day-to-day touch points whether it's through Instagram or or, you know, just our, our handwritten notes. And like when we started out, my wife and I would write the notes um, you know, in the evenings up till all hours of the night, but handwrite the notes and and it, it sounds <laughs> like I said, it sounds a little cheesy, but it actually made us feel good. We're you know, really grateful to have someone buy the case and then just to um I mean, maybe it brightens their day by just seeing a little uh, a little note from someone and that that human connection, that personal connection that um, we can get through our social media and, and um, you know that's the really exciting part so I think the biggest thing is seeing seeing a community around the world you know come together around a common goal and actually make a difference and like I said you don't know what the ripple effect is gonna uh, gonna going to end up to be but that's the exciting part so yeah it's just the community and the people we've met and the team members um uh, we're working on the team now and um, it's just uh, really amazing, amazing to have a, a mission-based company and have uh, people who have common goals and common values working together for it. It's that's the that's the most exciting part for sure.
0: Actually, that made me think of something else. Is your ideal customer someone who is already interested in sustainability, or do you guys also like think about people who don't really know about it and kind of take that step to educate them? Or do you think your space is more people who are already aware? Because, I don't know, a compostable phone case is kind of like next level a little bit, I would say. Um, But, yeah, what's your perspective Mm -hmm. on that?
1: Well, a little of both. I think, you know, we have our early fans who are more, um, you know, living that lifestyle. But we're starting to branch out more into a mass uh, demographic. And that's the exciting part, too, is where we can maybe uh, just just get people just to think about things a little bit more and, and provide options, more sustainable options. Um, for the for products you know as we reach expand out into like larger communities you know we need to make a product it can't just be eco-friendly and not function you know we try and start with the design we want it to be a great case that feels great it works great it um it's very functional um you know and it, you know it has some good drop protection as well so that's first and yeah. then you know and oh yeah and it's eco-friendly and it's sustainable and it's compostable so it has to be a a great design product first and then uh, sustainable second and, and you know we get a lot of good feedback about as soon as people put the case on their phone they really seem to like the feel of it how it feels on the phone and how mm-hmm. it slides in and out of your pocket nicely and, and that type of thing so that's that's a that's a huge part of it too it has to be a functional well-designed product and that's uh, what we're focusing on as well going forward.
0: Well not to toot your horn too much but the Pila case is all of that Plus, it's on par, if not cheaper, than most phone cases. Despite it being like eco-friendly and just a great product overall, so I think you guys have done an amazing job.
1: Yeah, that's great. No, thanks. The other thing I want to mention is just how we're, you know, one more th- thing is just how we support, um, you know, for-purpose organizations, which is really neat, like Save the Waves and and Surf Rider and Oceana and One Percent for the Planet. So, you know, seeing a product, uh, our product, as a vehicle for good and um, that's a really neat part of the business that it, that we're all really proud of here at PILA as well. How can we use this product to promote other great organizations as well? So excited about that. So, yeah. So thanks for all your support, Shelby. appreciate it.
0: Definitely. Yeah. Just a shout out for myself. I've raised over $1,800 for a World Wildlife Fund through my ambassador um, link through you guys. So that's been amazing. And you guys do do so much good. So if you don't already have a PILA phone case, maybe you where, think where, about getting where? one. all right Jeremy well thank you thank you (laughs) yeah thank you so much for being on the podcast with us
1: all right thanks Shelby great talking with you
0: Again, today's episode of the podcast has been with Jeremy from Pila Case. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. And if you did, it would mean the world to us if you left us a review on iTunes. It really helps us gauge what you're enjoying and what you'd like to see more of. If you found this episode of the podcast particularly interesting, please do share it with your friends and family on social media. Also, if you have any suggestions for the podcast and who you'd like to see as a guest, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at shelbizzle, S-H-E-L-B-I-Z-L-E-E-E, or you can send me an email at podcast at ubuntu, U-B-U-N-T-O-O dot com. I'm your host, Shelby, and thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.